It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Good to be back together, and we have a slate of goodies for you. Uh, we will uh, say goodbye to one of the best in sports to do it. Frank Hickman passed away way too young, uh, but we will uh, honor his memory. Uh, we have a report card on the National Football League and some yeah. hiring dynamics. We'll dive inside that in just a little bit. But uh, we start off with uh, the, what is the third rail in, in discussion <laughs> right now. Okay. Uh, but uh, one of my favorites and probably the best comedian of this generation. I don't think that's all that debatable. No. Um David Chappelle invited back to Saturday Night Live this past weekend, uh, his third post-election hosting. Uh, he was on after Trump was elected. He was on after Biden uh, was elected and now these midterms. And in very day form, um, didn't miss the opportunity to knock down every current event that makes everyone uncomfortable, uh, which is his job. I want to first state um, that it's super important. I think in the discussion of things in equity and and social justice and race and fairness and balance that we understand what's important. Yeah. And what may feel important. I I think that's the best way to put it because I don't want to diminish anybody's feelings. Correct. But I, but I've been mystified and I, I will say I have a bias. I am a fan aficionado and damn near a historian on stand-up comedy, okay, in America. I have not yes. studied other other nations' <laughs> flows in this area. And there's always been a thing, right? You can go all the way back to when guys uh, in, I guess it was coming into and then out of World War II, when when comedians were willing to go blue, and that was a challenge for our society. Just, I mean, I'm talking about in a club. Yeah, no kids, but <laughs> but just having uh, a tongue that had not been heard, right? In stand-up comedy or even in vaudeville, like they're just maybe maybe here and there you would catch a blue show, but for the most part, um, it was, hey, I just flew in and boy, are my arms tired? Take my <laughs> wife, please. You know, I mean, like it was that, which at the time was part of that sensibility. And uh, I know Lenny Bruce was one of the people who people first talked about as doing blue shows, red Fox, obviously Mm, on that list. And uh, those cats were making people's eyes pop out. (laughs) And and then, and then that era obviously became standard. Right. Uh, Chappelle goes hard. Let's just say that. Right. He's had his run-ins with the me too movement, uh, the trans community Mm -hmm. and anybody else that feels a certain way about the fact that he is a comedic, assassin yeah and takes great joy by the way and comedic comedic genius let's just yeah yeah and and pushes back on your sensibility correct here's the thing i'm not even going to go to the simplicity of it their jokes 
And what makes a joke really, really funny is when you tread on stereotypes that may not be that far from the truth. Correct. If not the truth to begin with, he doesn't take there. There's no, there's no room at the end for anybody (laughs) with with him or any really good comedian. They're trying to get you out of your comfort zone and trying to create laughter out of something that may not necessarily seem funny. He opened up dealing with the anti-Semitic controversies that are on the table. Started off with his right. friend, Kyrie. I mean, should, uh, Kanye. Kyrie. Kanye. Kanye, yeah. In this Saturday Night Live stand-up and then found his way to Kyrie, which that's why we're like, okay, we at least we have some room to pull this in to our to our cross-section. And um, some things have emerged from that conversation that that I'm going to say at least trouble me. I get why a group would be offended. But I also don't know why it's two things. One, it feels isolated because he made in a stretch where I could see the Jewish community being upset with whatever trope. Um, and it was the Hollywood trope. Let me not, let me not say whatever. The right. Hollywood trope connected to the Jewish community. Uh, but in that same joke, he took a shot at black folks. He took a shot at Italians. Right. And what he was really doing is taking a shot at stereotypes overall. And how absurd they are overall. Correct. But what did the ear hear? And what was the pushback? And you got Saturday Night Live uh, comedic writers pushing back and wanting wanting to boycott the show. If they did, I'm not sure. I wasn't there. Um, because he's offensive. Your, com- your comedy writers. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the line that's you're the walking. Point. Right. That's, that's, that's the line you you're walking all the time. You don't think former President Trump is offended with the way that the show <laughs> sees him, that, that Biden might be offended with the way that the show goes about it? Whomever it is that you're poking fun at, there can be a level of offense. Um, but but the, the, the joke that brought us into the discussion is Kanye was so wild with his, so <laughs> off the charts with his scenario. That it that it that it got Kyrie in trouble, and it's like no, Kyrie got himself in trouble. Uh, but that's the point that it's this no. grander discussion. Now the pushback on the other side is that what is funny about what's happening to the Jewish community when you think about incidents of of uh, of harm, actual physical harm, and and the attack on synagogues and so on and so forth. And my answer to that is nothing. There's nothing funny right. about that. And, and I don't believe there yeah. was one joke about that. Correct. Um, so it's not the easiest discussion to have, but I think that's what our place is for. The hard discussions. What was your yeah. review on? My my, my view, uh, I think, is 100% Jax, that I don't look at a lot of the comments or jokes made from uh, Dave Chappelle as harmful. Well, I think it's more of, and, and what I've known from Dave Chappelle I believe he is more of 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 enlightening. And when I say enlightening, it's more highlighting the yeah. the issues of what's going on, making more light of it, but also making us think. I think Dave Chappelle is one of the best at just making you think. Like, wow, I never thought of it from that perspective. Right. I, I think the funny thing that he mentioned was like he said. Kanye messed up so bad it got Kyrie in trouble. 
Yeah. Because I think if we weren't talking about Kanye West and his anti-Semitic comments over the previous couple weeks, I don't know if we look at Kyrie's tweeting or um, how do we say his basically him is promoting uh, is the is line promoting. There we go. Yeah. Him promoting of a film. I don't know yeah. if we have it's that tough to same. know, right? Yeah. yeah, it's tough. It's it's difficult. But, but like, I don't it was, know. But the, because the climate it was, the was already hot, volatile, right? Because it was the, the 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 climate was already hot. It was like right. you're almost searching. You're looking like up oh, here goes one right here. Here it is. Right. I think the biggest takeaway that I've got over the last couple of days, and is really, especially in the African American community, is that there has been a lot of outrage when it comes to the Jewish community and and anti-Semitic comments that are thoughts that some may have, but yet no one seems to have this same vigor or anger when it comes to a lot of the things that African-Americans have had to live with in this country, right? This is something that has been, been like, okay, yeah, but slavery existed in this country and people were being told to let's move on from it. Right. But that is part of our history. That is some of the the attack on remembering the attack is on right now. Yeah. That's the whole critical race theory debate. Right. And that's, and and that's one of the things that, but it's kind of been brought to light because right now, like you mentioned, we are on high alert of anti-Semitic comments. Everybody's looking for it. Like who's next, who's next, who's, who's saying anything. And I've also have, you know, read and, and looked around to where you don't want to be in a situation where it feels like no matter what anyone says now, it's automatically being deemed as anti-Semitic to where we don't know what it means to be. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know what it means to be anti-Semitic. I mean, making anti-Semitic comments because is it, is it because you made a a saying I'm against this culture or I'm against Jewish people? I don't understand. I mean, it's a real thing to where people want to focus in on what does it mean to be anti-Semitic? Because this is something that has truly brought on a bigger conversation. Jax, I wasn't talking about anti-Semitic comments. You know, I, 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 I would say a year ago, two years ago, it would be the furthest thing from my mind. I would, that never crossed my mind. And now that it is, I do want to educate myself more so that I don't maybe say things that people may deem as anti-Semitic because I never felt that I am that kind of person. I am don't, <laughs> I am far from it. But sometimes even s- subtle conversation, right? We talking about the uh, for when it comes to the African American community, mm. when George Floyd happened, this is where. I mean, people who maybe your employer, I know my employer, looked at themselves and says, Kirk, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I didn't know that maybe some of the things that I said could be used or seen as not necessarily racist, but definitely not of the language that you should be using. Right. Remember, just subtle jokes and things like I, I can't you can't joke like that anymore. So I think it's just a bigger conversation that Dave Chappelle, to me, has brought out and made us think more. Right. That we're taking right. this serious. We're taking what's going on serious, but it also we're thinking about other groups of people as well. We shouldn't just focus right now on the, the, the Jewish folks. Let's focus on everybody and see how we can all 
move on and not move on, but definitely educate ourselves. Well, here, the tough part about that is, is that 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 was probably the outside claim on Black Lives Matter. So people Correct. are like, oh, well, yes. everybody matters. But this is what we're talking about right now was black lives. And it's just not right. it's hard to not get away from the concept. Here we are, two black men that appreciate and and are fans of Dave Chappelle. Yes. So now we have to challenge ourselves. If we if there's a key median that we didn't really dig that much, <laughs> that was <laughs> locking in on black folks and going hard on right. black folks how much of our spine would be up. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm challenging myself uh, because I'm like, okay, let's make sure I'm noting that I'm willing to allow some elasticity and yeah. I'm in a comedic structure that any trope or joke or bit setup sketch is at least going to put us in a position to understand that this is comedy correct this is not policy right this is not doctrine this is not law this is not an amendment mm-hmm. to constitutions all things that we all should note should have the highest level of fairness i don't think fairness is at play mm. on a comedy sketch show or at a concert mm. I, I it it's tough because it, it needs to hit home for the proper empathy or, or full sympathy on any issue. Um, but I just love a well-crafted joke. And so I know that I can take one. Right. Or, or, or I would have a different, I think I would have a different disposition and being progressive and hearing myself go, can you take a joke? I then go, Wait a minute, is my am I am I getting a little more to the middle or over to the right of the sense right. of being less desensitive or less sensitive about such That's things or correct. or what? It's just it's not an easy, I don't land in an easy place, I guess is the best place to put it. I like how you said it because it's also to a point because you mentioned it. Are you now desensitized? Because that's all you hear. It's all you, you that's what's been dominating the headlines of recent. Right. And so you're like almost desensitized to it because it's everywhere. And to where now I feel like some people are focused and their job now is to look for that specific point. Right. That look, he said it. Yep. See, anti Semitics right there. Here we go. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Is, is he really saying that? Or is he also bringing the light? Just the situations that we've all known and seen i mean i i thought it was I, I laughed my butt off i'm not gonna lie to you what he said when you when you get a group of black people together it's considered a gang or you get a group of italian folks it's a mob i trust me i i laughed i i thought that was funny i thought that was hilarious because we have seen that right and that's some of the things that i know i do as a broadcaster i know you do as well is some of the words in which we we say or we use we can't say them because it, it does lead into some stereotypical type of conversation. So to bring light to it, to kind of laugh at your own self. But I think it's also to the messenger as well. Like the messenger who was given this message, not necessarily the, the, the message, but the conversation, the comedic point. What if that had been Bill Burr? Right. What if that would have been someone else? Right. Who that's the easier part. Like it's easier to joke about your own, but you don't want to hear jokes from other people yeah. <laughs> necessarily about you. You know, there's 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 Christian comedy. 
right? Yes. Uh, and and what most is funny in that stuff is mm-hmm. what uniquely happens in church. Yes. <laughs> all of it's real and all of it's over the top, but it's some stuff that you feel like, oh my goodness, this is this is way too much. Right. Same thing with black comedians and the black community. I'm sure there are Jewish comedians. There, I, there was a lady who was doing a bit about being Jewish in Kentucky mm-hmm. <laughs> and that her parents said, listen, we don't mind if it's a boy or a girl or something in between. We right. just want you to be happy as long as that boy is Jewish. <laughs> and you got a you got an awesome, awesome, awesome laugh out of it. Yeah. And then the next layer was, and then she made an incest joke after that. Yeah. Because she said that would mean we live in Kentucky. That's just my brother and my dad. <laughs> I mean, it's and, it's and everybody fell out, but she's Jewish. Yeah. Yes. Making a Jewish joke that then went a little uh, further and, and took it off the off the cliff of right. being Jewish in Kentucky. Again, those things fall lighter from a member of the community. It's like anything else. We you know the line about when we grew up. Right. You talk bad about your brother all day. One thing bad comes out of somebody's <laughs> mouth about oh, it's a fight. your family. <laughs> you ready to fight? They're like, wait, 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 wait. We just heard you say yeah. it. Oh, it's a fight. It's the man. challenge I have with lyrics. It's yes. the challenge I have with young people and, and hip-hop lyrics. Right. Is that I'm supposed to smack the you-know-what out of a white boy or a Latino girl because she's just <laughs> they're, they're just reciting the lyrics they hear. Mm-hmm. And I do find myself in a, in a, in a jacked-up position. And just go straight old black man down on it. But um, I, I, I will add this too. I will add this because this week, um, you know, pulling the curtain back a little bit, uh, I'm on carpool duty. So at the school, my kids go to, yeah, I'm out there on carpool duty, right? Sure, you sure. back. But on carpool duty, it's, you know, every I'm opening the car for the kids, you know, letting guiding them, showing them where to go. You know, they, they know how to get into the school, but it's easier for the parents to let their kids out and then drive off. And it's crazy that we're having this conversation because this actual morning that we that we're doing our show, I did open the door for a was a, a a boy and a girl. They come out to school. He's like, oh, I got to get my poster. He pulls out his poster, and his poster on the top is my jewish heritage no lie i swear to god i'm I'm being real with you my jewish heritage and his dad is saying hey good luck today son you're gonna be great you're gonna do a good job with your project mm-hmm. your presentation and so i think now that's that's how and i i don't know if that's this is what his classroom has been doing and everybody was picking certain things or elements about their life or background but to see that aspect of a young kid coming in and is going to talk about his Jewish heritage to his classmates to further let his classmates understand him better as a human being, where he comes from, some of his rituals, things that his family does. So I just it, it just it just came to my mind because we're having this conversation now and he's going to help and educate people around him and i don't know i know i know where i went to school at that wasn't something that you knew i didn't know i had to learn just i think that some people are learning about african-american culture as much you know not everybody went to the black history month assembly right mm-hmm. like they know but they didn't know they had their presentations but it was like ah it doesn't really concern me so why am i focused on it and so i think we have to do more of it with the youth and not just about Jewish heritage, just black heritage, you know, Asian heritage, Latino heritage. 
all of it. No, I was so, I was I was very fortunate to grow up in a predominantly Jewish community in Cleveland, mm-hmm. Ohio, and it just created awesome understanding and balance and. Uh, even the derivatives of religion that all fit in one another when you, you loop in Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism as well. Right. And uh, you only get better by knowing. You only get better right. by knowing. Um, but I wonder if this, like, are we popping a bubble? One too, one too many bubbles. Mm. One after the comedians who uh, are going to be on the edge at all times, which is part of the genre. I'm, I'm not sure there's a safe space. Um, and and or or if there should be, as we continue to evolve, it just is an evolution, particularly of this art form. Uh, more on that as the issues arise. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, the NFL seeing some improvement in racial and gender hiring. We'll take a look into the deep dive as forward progress continues. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Thanks for staying with us. Time now to lock in on the Institute of Diversity and Ethics in Sport of the University of Central Florida. They put out their 2022 NFL racial and gender report card on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And I think the headline that comes out of it, Kirk, is that the NFL has seen improvement in hiring, but still room for growth as we experienced this week. But uh, um Listen, this all comes in a time where the NFL has faced intense scrutiny over diversity, equity, and inclusion. Spotlight right. gets big with the Flores uh, suit against the National Football League um, and how the Rooney Rule has been you know, strengthened and, and pushed up. And then, again, you have kind of an off-the-cuff interim hire from Indianapolis that has made everybody's head explode. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Bottom line is, is that uh, as of Thursday, six head coaches of color and a seventh who's an interim head coach. Eight is the all-time high for the National Football League. Uh, They continue to have the worst record for head coaches of color among the three major men's leagues. It got a C in 2022. At the start of the 22 season, there were eight people of color holding general manager spots, um, representing about 25%. But that's up from five in 2021 and two in 2020 and represented an increase of uh, nearly 10% over the year. And they got to be minus for that in 2022. Uh, Ownership, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know the deal, right? Zero percent. (laughs) Um, Chad Khan, right? As as close as you're going to get to it. Pretty much. Close. Born American. Right. Uh, who's the principal owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Um, isn't there? I think there's a, a lady in Buffalo, yeah. right? Yeah, the Pagula. Yeah, uh, Kim, Kim Pagula. Pagula. That's right. Yeah. Asian American uh-huh. woman. She has a m- yeah. major interest. Yes. Um, and then um, her, and her, her and her husband, Terry, own the, own, own right. the team. So she and there's can... seven women in the NFL, Correct. by the way, who are principal owners. Um, Mrs. Right. Benson pops to mind among Ms. them Benson. as well. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, the NFL received a B plus for racial hiring practices and B for gender hiring practices uh, on their NFL report card for a combined grade of B. It, uh, Professor Morrison, do you yeah. mark the paper the same, or would you uh, bring it down a little bit? Um, I'm marking it the same. I think it's a it's a slow improvement, but it is improvement, mm-hmm. and I think if there is an emphasis. Um, there is a, I think a. 
it's it's more awareness now to to hire not only just minorities but you just mentioned uh women as well you 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 hire the most qualified person and i think that's what the nfl is kind of gearing to and i think you you mentioned a little bit earlier about the hire in indianapolis and i think this is probably the best thing that probably could have happened to the nfl i really do it was really something that really needed to happen and it took me about a week for me to kind of come to this conclusion. Uh, Jeff Saturday, who was a former NFL player, um, he spent, I think, 14 years in the league, 13 of them, I believe, with the Indianapolis Colts, one year with the Green Bay Packers to end his career. But he was named the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, who fired their head coach, Frank Reich. And all week, people were saying, oh, my God, how could they hire this guy? He has no experience. He had no, he can't, I mean, he didn't coach in college. He didn't coach in the NFL. How could you hire him? Everybody was saying that, Jax. But Jim Ursay, his owner, believed in him and said, no, I want him to be my, because I'm thinking out of the box, number one, but also, too, he, he's not around it. So when he comes in, his mind is totally different. He 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 doesn't care what's happened before. It's all about moving forward. So it's twofold here because Jim Ursay, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, people said, well, why is he hiring Jeff Saturday? What about the Rooney rule? Well, I said, well, also, we got to highlight and make sure we know that Jim, Jim Ursay also hired Tony Dungy, right? African-American head coach, Super Bowl winning head coach. He also had Jim Caldwell as his head coach as well. So it's not like he's never had minority head. No, he's had minority head coaches, but he felt at this time, this is what was needed. People are a little upset because he was able to skip around the Rooney rule because it doesn't, uh, the Rooney rule does not affect interim head coaches in season. The Rooney rule has to take place in a coaching cycle, right? After the season. But that being said, he hires Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday goes out and wins a football game. He was a leader of men with no experience, right? No high school. He coached in high school. I think he did for a couple of years, but no college, no NFL experience. And why I say that this, this was so monumental for me, because he just debunked a lot of the stereotypes. I know where you're right? headed. Of, of, oh, well, the black coaches in the NFL or minority coaches around football, oh, they don't have enough experience. Uh, not enough have been around long enough. You know, you got to go to resume. Oh, he's never been a head coach in the NFL. All of that just Jeff Saturday just proved to everybody. You don't need what some people want to check the box or how people tend to move the goalposts when it comes to hiring minority candidates. Jeff Saturday just changed all of that. Jim Ursay, the owner, changed all of that. So I hope the NFL takes notice that you're trying to hire not necessarily the most qualified, but the guy who was able to lead men, who was able to come and challenge everyone in that locker room each and every day. Jax, I can go hire the best offensive coordinator. I can hire the best defensive coordinator, special teams. But it takes a real special person to bring it all together. And sometimes you don't necessarily need that experience. And that's what's been the hangup in the NFL this week. I'm just hoping that what Jim Jeff Saturday has proved can now open the door for coaches who may not have the most dazzling resume 
but just have a demeanor of how you can go and motivate men. So I hope that helps out for the minority coaches in the National Football League. I like how you put some jujitsu on that one. I like that. <laughs> I like that, Morrison. Um, I think that's really interesting in this is watching how it runs out, right? Yeah. And will Saturday want to do this full time? Will, will he be a candidate? Well, because um, I, there was a, like, I do got to throw this in there. Sure. He can finish as the interim coach, but then they still have to honor the Rooney rule after the well, season. Exactly. <laughs> and so how would they do that? How would they honor the Rooney rule if Saturday is actually good the rest of the season? But they still have to go out and interview a couple of head coaches of right. minority descent, even though they still may hang on to Jeff Saturday. All right. And all the while not diminishing the craft. Right. right. Like right. there, there's there's a unique, I think there's a unique dynamic for head coaches that do that. Okay. Right. That just are the CEO of the operation that let Correct. coordinators yep. coordinate, let positions coaches coach. And uniquely in football, because there's just so many people involved. Uh, allowing that and making those hard decisions, seeing them coming, managing the clock, all that other stuff. So everybody can just, you know, go to the script and maybe adjust to make whatever uh, adaptive things they want to make. It's not easy to do because you once had the clipboard, you once had the headset, you Mm -hmm. once had an expertise on, on some side of the ball, once some phase of the game before you elevated to that place. But I think you nailed it down. Can you lead people? Yeah, can you it. manage personalities? This, this becomes the job at the top more than anything else. And that's not to take anything away from game planning. Right. Um, listen, I said it many times. Coaches are crazy people. I dare them to, to, debate <laughs> them, to take on that craft and the amount of work and the type of person. It was the stuff that Joe Thomas was talking about right. when he was trying to kill it, is that it's, it does take over your life. And to trivialize, trivialize that on any level is the wrong way to go. Um, we'll see the long range, we'll uh, see this type of approach and odds are against Jeff. <laughs> uh, odds are and odds uh, was against we'll Steve Nash too. You had another right? thought. Yeah. said so, uh, odds were against Steve Nash too. You see where I got him or he had yeah, no experience coaching. <laughs> so it, yeah. <laughs> it goes differently, right? Steve Kerr had no experience as a coach yet. He's won now what four championships now, the Come coach. On, Couple, yeah. I mean, a lot as a player. So, yeah. but it's funny because you you have got let's take Steve Kerr, which is probably different than Saturday. Correct. Steve Kerr was using all his time as a broadcaster in those meetings right. with some of the great coaches of all time. Mm-hmm. Then his stint, relatively short stint as uh, a leader in a front office, exactly. all building like intentionally, as he shared later, intentionally building what was going to be his approach at being a head coach in the NBA. That was always. His craft, he just or his path, he just didn't tell right. us. And then mm. he played for Pop and and Phil. Right. Like that would have been enough right there. If he just <laughs> you play a royalty, right? <laughs> but then sitting with all the contemporaries along the way, he was already on it. I don't know if that was Saturday's approach. It doesn't seem like it. Right. Doesn't seem like it. But uh, a a a wonderful uh, <laughs> wonderful pushback on, <laughs> on what could be if he could re- if he can string it out. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back. I'm going to tip the cap to a cat that I respected a great deal and mm-hmm. uh, has gone too long, too early, I should say. And um, getting word that Fred Hickman, a, a longtime sportscaster, um, was just a little jarring, um, to say the least. Uh, we'll dive inside his career and his impact as forward progress continues. 
You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Thanks for rolling with us all the way through. It's Morrison, it's Jackson, and I want to take some time uh, to pay respects to Fred Hickman, a, a pioneering sportscaster who uh, helped launch two different cable networks <laughs> and influenced and informed mm-hmm. uh, a generation of those of us who do this and those of us who watch. With, with Hickman, for the young folks, you go back to being on CNN when it started. When it started. And folks don't remember Sports Tonight. Sports Center kind of <laughs> ate up that space, but before Sports Center, really started rolling off people's tongues um it was june 1st 1980 uh wow. that it was hickman and and uh and nick charles as the first hosts of uh, 11 p.m eastern time nightly right. sports cast with highlights and news features all this stuff and by the way a lot of the folks who ended up exploding over on sports center keith olberman dan patrick those cats all started over at cnn mm-hmm. with fred Fred, who yeah. found his way back, uh, or not back to, but over to ESPN for a bit before uh, going to, I believe his last spot was in New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but um, a cat who loved the uh, the association, so I saw him a great deal. And um, when he started wearing glasses, I came in. Yes. So people started, when I first got into the game, we were like, look at, look at baby Hick. I'm like, what? Baby, I, I mean, we're both talking glasses on, but I don't I know. I never knew that. Baby Hick, man, you should have told me that. Yeah, <laughs> but he was, um, yeah, he was so kind and, right. and, and so well established by the time I got to ESPN. We're talking about almost 15 years right. after he was on the national stage and uh, just so awesome to be around. And then uh, I'll get your reflections, but talk about that next phase of his career when he went to New York and, and then helped start Yes. Yes, network. So, uh, but anyway, I, I, it, just such a, when I think about those 20 plus years at CNN and Turner, it's such a important part because that's when all of the cable flow was exploding. Right. And he was one of the folks sitting on the desk right when it all began. He was a, a face, a recognizable face, right? Yeah. In a, in a occupation that was, I would say for the most part dominated by um white men. Yeah. And Fred Hickman was 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 different. You mentioned it was the glasses, but it was also his tone of where he could be serious but also have a little fun at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And you sat back and you watched them and for me, I know I watched because this is like you mentioned when the cable boom had just started. So he was giving you highlights. He was giving you football, baseball, basketball. He was giving you a little bit of everything. And it just seemed like, like for me, it seemed like, man, that's, you felt like you were related to him in some sort of way. I don't know about you. I felt like I was related to Fred Hickman. I'm like, man, this dude was cool because he had the suit. He had the, you know what I mean? It was just, he was buttoned Always up. Clean. It was, it was almost like the, the, the associate, was it not associate? Is it the assistant bishop? Or the, the second bishop at church, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh. That's what it felt like. Like man, because you know when the when the you have announcements at church, especially in in the black church. Sure. I mean, that's what he reminded me of. He reminded me like man, because he reminded me of of the preacher, not because of his delivery, but because he was always 
tight, buttoned up well, you know what I mean? Just like that's to me, that's how I saw, you know, older black men when in the eighties, he was like that. And so to him to speak the way that he spoke and to just do it effortlessly, you know, it's like, man. So when you, when I heard, I'm like, man, Fred Hickman, I'm like, what? No, not Fred. Because you just, it takes you back to that time where you had to wait all night for sports, right? You had to wait and see, you know what I mean? Like sports weren't what people think like sports were how we get them today, where I can go to my phone and go watch highlights from games last night. Like we had to wait until certain times of the day oh, man. to get that content, oh, man. And something you never had to live with is when yeah. your team's on the West Coast. <laughs> and the newspaper already went to print before the game's over. Yeah. And, you know, before you could stay up till 11 o'clock, you know. Yeah. Uh, you're, that's the only reason at 8, 9, 10 years old, I'm racing out trying to get the Cleveland Plane dealer so I could see what's wow. going on. Mm. They yeah. had gone by. There was a second phase to his career, though, Kirk. Uh, in 2001, uh, he moved to Yes Network. Uh, our yeah. friends up in the Northeast know uh, the Yankees and Nets games are there believe mm-hmm. other stuff at this point but at that time he was the very first anchor to appear on yes wow you know and then after that moved to espn for four years uh, on the competitor from back in this sports tonight days now on sports center and then went to fox and uh did some work on atlanta braves telecast and uh as i think mentioned uh, uh most recently served as a uh, anchor and managing editor at uh, the black news channel and so it's amazing, you know. First of all, devastating passing yeah. at sixty-six. It's just like, man, this is not. It's not a life full lived. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, man, this dude's been around the world. Been around the world, telling these sports stories for so many different entities. And you know, he's an Emmy Award winner, especially in New York. He's done so much great work, right? And that's why I think it's it's really hit a lot of us because he's he's he he was a voice for many um to allow i think me and you to even get into some of these seats that we're in right now you know it's guys like him who paved that way um who was just buttoned up like i I never when i say buttoned up it was like sometimes you have off the camera controversy or things like that and that you just never i never heard that (laughs) of 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 fred it was more Mm -hmm. of like he was business. When I saw him, the dude was business always. And he made glasses, like you said, made glasses look cool, man. <laughs> Maybe go get those non-reflective coating so I can yeah. handle it back in the day. <laughs> and uh, and now I've come full circle. The glasses are back. Yes. I still haven't I haven't debuted them on TV yet. But uh, when I'm calling a game from the 38th row, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got they got to oh, go yeah. on. They got yeah, to go you, on. When you ain't courtside, when you come to LA, yeah, you got to put them on. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, you yeah, you'll see them. You'll yeah. see them. Um, that being said, Fred's career was one of those full circle things. We gave you the highlights, right. but he started off in radio. He had a great voice, right? Right. Uh, but did the old school run, right? I was yeah. blessed, man. Like right out of college, straight to a top 15 market. Uh, he, man, he did it the old school way. Cedar Rapids, Iowa on the radio wow. right after college. Uh, and then a station in his hometown of Springfield, Illinois. And I remember I wanted to work in Cincinnati. And there's people, there's a guy who used to be the director of sales. He used to just called me. He's been retired for a while from the then CBS, now ABC affiliate in Cincinnati. And I was like, yeah, man, starting my uh, 19th season with the Heat. And he's like, what? 
and you weren't good enough to be in Cincinnati out of college. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they swung and missed. I sure don't want to take that job at the, at the crib. So I totally get that. Uh, but um, it's amazing that Fred jumped from that gig in Springfield um, right to the gig in at CNN. Yeah. And so yeah, I think how, how old yeah. school when you get discovered, right? Well, it's just, you think of how big CNN is now, right? Right. Like CNN is is a major news outlet, and to think of, you know, him being one of the first, like you always could find CNN, you know, back then when it first started, because that's where everybody was getting their news, and he was there, right? That's that that's a big desk, so he became part of that culture of Atlanta. You know, that's why he was so big uh, down in that area, working with the Braves as well, because right. you you saw him, right? That people like that was the focus. He was a man of of the people, TBS, all of that. I mean, yeah, I think I'm watching Braves get me. If you, I wouldn't say I was a Braves fan in the '80s, but you had to be. Listen, in that '80s and '90s because that was only there were two was teams TV. that everybody watched, right? <laughs> they was always on Cubs TV and Braves. They were That's on it. all the time. I don't know. I still don't understand how we got TBS and WGN. I'm still trying to figure. How did they do for a West the West Nation Coast kid? Stations, how did we do that? Right? <laughs> Yeah, all that cable that. we was. It wasn't a New York or LA station like that. No, it wasn't. Oh, now they are. Yeah. Now you got your your, your sports. Oh, no, you got everything now. Yeah. But, but valleys then. everywhere now. See, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Before they and it was a battle. Once ESPN and Sports Center really started rocketing off uh, late eighties, early nineties, it was really tough. Like you're not going to find a half hour sports show on CNN now, right? right? Like everything is is over there. Fox has tried to push up a couple times mm-hmm. uh, to no avail. So that's the space that they own, and even they're struggling with it, right? Like they're trying uh, to figure out exactly how do we get more eyes on our product and and moving digitally to get that done. Uh, but there was this show that that Hickman and uh, Vince Cellini did called Vince Calling Cellini. All Sports. You remember that show? Cellini, wow! It yeah, was a television yes. call in. Sports talk show That's where true. I think it was either wow. right before or right after uh sports tonight. Yeah, but it was that show was hilarious. That like it just surprise. wouldn't even conceptually work today, or would it because so many radio shows now um are you know either flowing on YouTube or or streaming or sometimes uh simulcast on on sports networks. But yeah. uh Heckman was even a, a pioneer in, in trying to what do we do to take on this colossal giant, uh, the, the worldwide leader in sports, a, a team that he eventually joined? But man, they used to have this segment at the end called uh, "Finish Up Strong," and they would just go like through a series of uh, phone calls. It was hilarious, yep. man. No, he's he's been, uh, yeah. You, you brought Vince Chilene. Those some names, right? That's the beginning of sports for me. Like just uh, the consistent of, of finding which you want to stay up to date. So I definitely did, man. I did, I did want to hit with, um, you know, again, I'm just uh, pay our respects to Fred Hickman, man. Sure. Uh, rest in peace to a pioneer, one of the pioneers in our profession. Um, but I know as we do tape this, Jax, we tape it on a uh, Wednesday. And uh, I wanted to bring up because it's, it's part of the culture. It's part of, uh, part of why this show ex- also exists is a, uh, that when we started this show, um, there was a, a president that was in office. He's no longer in office, but he announced that he will be running for office again. 
And so I don't know if that brings up a lot of things for, uh, or thoughts of you, um, thoughts for you from um, some of the players and some of the things that he talked about a lot um, when it comes to the NFL, NBA. So Mm -hmm. I know that when President, uh, former President Trump, has announced that he is going to run for president in 2024. It is, I'm just want to get what you think, how players and different organizations will now act. Cause I, mean, I felt like the the NFL was scared back then because they had never had an outly, an outwardly spoke speaking president kind of push back on their league about some of their practices right. and things. So it'd be interesting. I just, I mean, I, I, I didn't mean to, to throw you with a curveball, but. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's, yeah. it's, my, it's my cup of tea. You know, it's my yeah. hobby. But, you <laughs> know, he, when but, he announces, um, uh, when he announces he's going to, you know, return to try to get back into the White House, just your, your, your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think the sports teams, let's, let's take it from that, our angle first. Correct. Right. I, I think That's sports I teams do. are in the best spot in the sense of just, just igniting your area to be involved. Right. Like right. I, there's some places it's still, you know, less than half the people participated in the midterms, that they're only ignited during presidential elections. And there's elections every year. There's special elections in every calendar. <laughs> right. Uh, but that's what ignites people. And uh, President Trump wanted to announce before Election Day and at least yes. took the advice to, OK, like you, you don't want hot sauce on that. And then now it's a <laughs> speculation uh, from his detractors that he's announcing this earlier than usual for most candidates um, to stave off some investigation about his claims, right. Uh, right. And efforts to try to negate the 2020 election, whatever the case may be, it's, it's going to cycle through mm-hmm. and it's going to be an interesting dilemma for the grand old party. Uh, because as we saw immediately with things, not being the full red wave that was expected and, and proclaimed by the Republican party on election day. Uh, and we're still figuring it all out, by the way, here we are still counting ballots for elections. Uh, but um, that that's going to be a interesting and challenging financial and base voter issue right. for the GOP. If, if you're reading the tea leaves and they're easy to read that all this attention is sliding uh, to a DeSantis front running scenario for 2024, that means they're possibly going to have to go head to head. Going to go head to head. And in primary, that's not that. That type of carnage is not what you're necessarily looking for Splitting as votes. a party going yeah. in. So that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on uh, as we still continue to count votes and wonder who's <laughs> actually going to be fully in power of both houses of Congress. Uh, now you you add on that issue. So um, Mr. Trump has provided us with a couple years of conversation Correct. to continue to have if he injects in our space uh, or otherwise. Uh, but once again, we've reached that point in the program. We have to say so long. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy this is our last program before the Thanksgiving holidays. So be safe. We'll see you on the other side of that. With Kirk Morrison, our producer, Hernell Brown. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time on Forward Project. Forward Progress is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.